Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Friday, September 23rd, 2016. This episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They're an easy way to deploy your application no matter the language or framework that you're using. They are great for deploying JavaScript applications using technologies such as Node.js, Meteor.js, Feathers.js, and many other frameworks. They recently updated their build process for Meteor to include uploading the code to a build server. They use a Docker component to create the build and output a consistent application that gets sent to the servos making it more reliable and easier for you to deploy your Meteor application. Check them out, modulus.io. Hey there, just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about something that's coming up in November, Space Camp 2.0. So last year we ran Space Camp 1.0 in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the mountains. It was a lot of fun. And so this year we decided we wanted to go bigger. And it took some searching, but we found an even bigger place It has 30 bedrooms, and it's on the coast of North Carolina in Outer Banks. Super, super excited for this. We're going to follow a similar format to last year. So the first day, we're going to have talks, and it's going to be the open camp style of like, you know, everyone just kind of saying, hey, I've got a talk, and we'll pick the best ones, and then we'll we'll sit down and listen to those. They were great last year. I'm expecting some some top-notch ones again this year. We also have like home-cooked meals the entire time. My wife is an excellent, excellent cook, and she's going to make all those meals. And I think anyone that went last year would attest to how tasty everything was and how much food there was. It was amazing, and uh, we plan to replicate that this year. Talks during the day, then in the evenings... Beer, board games, a lot of hanging out, talking, watching funny videos, all kinds of stuff. So if board games are your thing, this is definitely the event to come to. I may even try to bring the PS4 or something. We'll see how that works out. The car was pretty packed last year, so I don't know how much space there will be. But if you're interested, it's like the first week in November right after the election. So that weekend, the second day, we'll have... A hackathon contest where we'll be building fun things using JavaScript. So if you're a fan of JavaScript, like this is the event you want to be at. So check it out, camp.spacedojo.com. It will be an amazing time. I promise you. See you there. Welcome, Crater fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host. Bobby Iyer. What's up, Bobby? How's it going, man? Good. Glad to have you back. Yeah, I was sick as hell last time. It was yeah, crazy. man. Are you, are you feeling, feeling better? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Nice. But, good. Yeah, it just sucks being sick and also having to work still while being sick. It's just tough. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just did that actually, yesterday, like, I was sick and not feeling well and couldn't even talk. I had a training class and I had to push it back to next week because. Like, I, I could barely even speak yesterday. Yeah. But I'm feeling better today. I hate, I hate sick days, man. 
kills me. Yeah, those are the worst. I mean, like, it's hard to be productive. Yep. And you feel like crap. So uh, it costs me money, you know? So yeah, it costs you money. Exactly. I'm glad the show still went on, which is good. Yes. Yes. And I missed the GraphQL's accused GraphQL week last week. Yes, it was, man. It was all GraphQL with one little Blaze story. But this week, we're going to talk about React Router version 4, Palo versus Relay, how React Native dies, tracking down a memory leak in Node. I have some good things to say about the last one. Nice. Awesome. The first one, which was, I don't know. I don't know if it made waves. Actually, I've got the Hacker News post up. Got 158 points on Hacker News. So React Router version 4 got launched. I'm still not fully grokky, and I haven't updated yet the app that we're working on, but they've kind of come out with a new version that has a new kind of API here. I think people, at least on Hacker News, were a little miffed at the change again and the churn that's happening in this particular project. There's a lot of back and forth on this project in terms of API changes that people are worried that are you going to change the API again in version 5 or 6, right? Yeah. I guess I understand what they're doing. They're iterating on this idea because, you know, React and its, and its ideologies are, are changing by the month, right? People are finding the best ways to do things. So, like, the router built in version 1 can't be the same router if we get that, but I don't know. It seems like a lot of people are upset just because of the migration paths that they have to go on. It's tough, right? Because anytime you have any kind of change come out like this, I look at recent media updates that like yeah. break things like MUP and, you know, it breaks all those dependencies and then and blog articles are now out of date and like, yeah. this stuff's tough. This stuff's definitely tough. But A bunch of content is out of date. Yeah. Oh, man. It was like, yeah, when, when things turned to blaze, right? Everything went out of date. It's always a touchy subject about routers, just because in the media community, like our drama with all these routers, you know, um, and I kind of just like don't trust routers that much anymore, <laughs> just because it's it's a big endeavor, right? A client side router is actually a huge endeavor. A lot of people are going to use it as much as we like to think people are not going to integrate their app tightly with the router. It always happens, right? Like people are doing hooks on route enter, um, leave. Sometimes some special logic is being run when a route does something. Route is a pretty integral part of like web development, you know? And yeah. to change APIs cons- consecutive times is a little, a little disheartening. But the React Router project is one of the best client-side routers I've ever used, aside from when, like, wait-ons were cool and Iron Router. <laughs> but... Uh, the big thing I'm taking away from this is that uh, they really just moved to routes being actual components, like React components. And so, you know, they, they were talking about recreating the lifecycle hooks, but React already has lifecycle hooks. So that had to do a lot with what they were trying to change, like stop reinventing that wheel yeah. in particular. And, you know, honestly, like looking through the version 4, fact that they put together it, it's clear to me that it, even though it's out like there's still a lot that needs to be documented there's still a lot that needs to be released yeah. like they've got some code 
that they're they're almost ready to publish that'll help with like scroll position on the window and where the individual elements are and that kind of thing. They don't have great docs on the transition hooks yet. So like it's still kind of in process, I guess. But uh, I wouldn't upgrade them for a little bit. I wouldn't yeah. upgrade until there's new content out there that's going to support version four, uh, you know, Stack Overflow, all that stuff you need to debug needs to be out there before you should start using this. Is this out, actually? Maybe this isn't out. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think this is out. Yeah, but you can preview. You can preview. Yeah, you, you can install React Router next. Um, the at next symbol and it'll mm-hmm. it'll grab this version i was i was misunderstanding that yeah but the proposed change is like i do like that there's going to be a redux integration so that would be cool um, we're definitely lacking that if you know you do want to have access to that route state uh and push state so from a redux action that'd be cool one thing i do want to comment on though is like the contributors really make this product well, but the founders like Ryan Florence and Michael Jackson, like I, I do feel like they're like the contrarians in the react community. They're always on the contradicting side of a lot of topics, like whether you should use Redux or state, they're on the state side, uh, whether you should use higher order components or fat class components, they're on the class fat class side. And it, it just seems like, you know, the whole community is actually going towards this Redux approach. The whole community is going towards higher order components. So it's, it just makes sense for them to not be contrarians anymore and give that support. Now, I wonder if they were the ones who implemented these uh, fixes or with the contributors from the community who wanted to push it along. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like those guys. Like I, I enjoy following them on Twitter anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 It looks like they're, they're doing a lot of work here. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other committers as well. It's probably worth taking a look, like keeping an eye on something that, that's going to change in the future. What does that look like? How's it going to affect me? Yeah. And directly in the fact, it says, like, should I be installing this? And the answer is no. Like, don't be installing it. Unless you're interested in, like, looking at what, what kind of work it might be to integrate with version four. Like I, there's yeah. really no major reason to do it or you want to help with development and try it in a real app. But I, I still think they're at the point where it's not, it's not even a, a release candidate. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on though. For yep, sure. Definitely. Cool. Uh, so the next article that we're going to talk about today is uh, choosing a GraphQL client, Apollo versus relay. So, it's funny, this, this um, actually came up as a question on Crater today as well. Someone was asking, which one should I use? So I'll tell you what we're doing right now. We're rolling a microservice architecture to do messaging at WorkPop so candidates can message employers. We actually built GraphQL subscriptions incidentally because they didn't have them. You know, the nature of, of a chat system is real-time. Mm-hmm. So we needed some type of real-time push. So we use, you know, Redis channels to, you know, do some, you know, push, pushing data to the clients and, and et cetera. But we used Apollo server for that. Um, and we went down this particular list of things of on the server. We were like, okay, should we use GraphQL Express or should we just use Apollo server? Um, the debate was pretty short because GraphQL tools that comes with Apollo server uh, in, in the Apollo project 
create makes creating schemas and everything a lot faster and a lot better. It's a, it's a little bit um, just nice utilities there. So when it came to the client, we were, okay, is it going to be Relay or is it going to be Apollo Clients? And we actually decided to do neither. You don't have to pick one is what I'm saying. Like Right now, like our needs for the chat client did not need a Redux store, did not need all that overhead. Uh, so we just have a smaller GraphQL client there that all it does is just make GraphQL requests. So that's what we're doing right now. That's just the status of like where we're at with Apollo. We're going to be using Apollo client in the future, but let's get into this article. Pretty much this, like, why do you need a GraphQL client? Well, the real question, the real answer is you don't need a GraphQL client. You just need something that can make post requests to a GraphQL server. Mm -hmm. The client is just nice. It's a nice to nice to have. If you have a GraphQL client, that means you can, one, you can do queries or batch queries to your server. Two, you can cache data or cache queries. Um, that, that means, you know, if the, if the query and cache changes, you can refetch. Um, and three, you have some nice tools for storing that data somewhere. So that's why you would want a GraphQL client. Um, and then nice to have on a GraphQL client is definitely a view layer integration, right? You don't need a view layer integration. You can do it yourself. Like you can just pipe data, but it's nice to have a group of developers thinking about your view layer, you know, specifically, right? For Apollo, uh, you can do Angular 2. You can do React. You can do Vue. There's a Vue Apollo now. So all you Vue lovers, uh, you can do that. Um, and then the thing with Relay is just React. And that's okay because that is for Facebook and Facebook uses React, but you may not, right? You may be using Angular or um, Vue or whatever. So that's something to note about there. And yeah, so this article just goes, you know, between like the just different points of like what each thing has. I think the main thing that I would want to point out in this article is Apollo client was designed uh, very carefully around the fact that it's incrementally adoptable and is VLayer agnostic. Those are the two things. In terms of features and subsets of features, pretty much the same between Relay and Apollo. You're not going to go wrong picking one. I'm, I'm looking at this graph here, and it's really interesting because, like, in the, yeah. in the middle section of the, I guess it's a comparison table, like, it's just yes across the board, right? Like, yeah. Apollo Relay, yes, 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 yes. And then, like, you get down towards the bottom, and they start getting into the differences, like the dev tools. Apollo yeah. uses Redux dev tools, whereas Relay use React dev tools. They really start to get into the differences with mutations and, like, the documentation of each. You know, I'm really, like, I'm kind of surprised reading all this. It seems like Apollo is the thing to use when you look at this table. Yeah. But they went with Relay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird, right? With Relay. And you know what? I think it's because most of uh, the community is, is backed by stars, right? Everyone values things based on stars and, you know, watchers and all that stuff. And it does make sense. If you're going to go on the open source stats, it does make sense because Apollo does have 81 issues open, right? And Relay has 123, but like... Yeah, if you look at commits yeah. in the last month, though, that's a more interesting number. To yeah, me. definitely. So one's being actively worked on. So I think is there's still this scare in the community right now about adopting Apollo. 
mainly because it's not 1.0 yet. Right. You know? But well, yeah, you know, it's interesting too, though, because you hear like relay, like Facebook isn't using the version of relay that's been open source. They're using yeah. a different version of relay. They're using Facebook version. Right. Yeah. And, and so like I question, I guess the direction of the relay project yeah. as well, because they're really not consuming it. What I've like come to realize about the GraphQL ecosystem and GraphQL in general is if your company scales, you're going to want your own setup. Like, you're not going to use Apollo client. You're probably not going to use a relay. Like this data implementation that GraphQL serves at some point, you're going to have some business problems that are specific to your company that having a nice little hook into some framework or you build some library that solves that is a lot better. Uh, right now we're using Apollo client, but if that doesn't scale, we'll have to figure it out, you know? And that's the, that's the gauge that you need to know is if you use these tools right now, this ecosystem is very young. So things are going to change and best practices are going to change. So you just have to be ready for that. That's why if you want to roll your own client, you should, because you control it. You could do that if you want. If you have the, if you have the energy and the time, do it and, you know, see what happens. I think right now it's anyone's game. It's not even these two right here. It could be a third library that comes out. But the ecosystem hasn't blown up yet, you know? Yeah. These are yeah, the two guys like this right now. It's still early days. Like the GitHub announcement was pretty big last week, so... Yeah, that is about to put some stuff on the map, right? I would I would assume now people are going to tinker with it, yeah. and then we're going to get cool libraries, and it's going to be a good ecosystem. You just need to know as a developer right now what you're signing up for. The other interesting thing here, I just I ran my quick metric because I was curious. The uh, commits per contributor, <sighs> Facebook gets it, and once again, it looks like Meteor MDG does not. They've got 42 commits per contributor uh, for Apollo client, and they've got nine commits per contributor for Relay. So they've got like a much broader range of contributors happening yeah. over Relay. So even though there's less commits in the Relay repo, they've had way more contribution from the community, uh, whereas, you know, Apollo client hasn't uh, yet. has suffered from the same problem. I don't know. I thought it was way more of a community effort, but it's looking like maybe it's not as big as I thought. So there is a, there is a group of you know, contributors in Apollo client. I think it's just going to take some time. We just, it just needs some, some saturation and to mature a little bit, but definitely to contribute to Apollo, there's no, there's no blocking that uh, you can do that. There's many things that could be wrong with that, right? It's written in TypeScript. You know, some people may not know TypeScript or want to deal with that, or you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty I, complex client, right? It's complex code. You want to break something? Like, I don't know. It's it's just it's just young and. I, the tough part is like when you look at like once you get that stat, you can look at the um, how many commits the contributors are, are giving, and like you look at relay, and there's at least probably 15, 20 people that have more than the average commit amount. Mm -hmm. And there's two that have more than the average commit amount on Apollo. So yeah. it still kind of indicates a health problem to me in the, either the community or the repo or something. I've never really figured out what, what's the, what that's really pointing at, but. On the GraphQL side, I'm going to be giving a talk at uh, JavaScript LA next Thursday 
for any LA folks, come meet me. It's at Riot Games in LA. I'll be talking about GraphQL on the server and GraphQL clients. I'll be talking about Apollo client a little bit, but I'm going to be talking about something at WorkPop that we're cooking up called Red Eye. Um, and it's a GraphQL client as well. Um, it solves our problem, but you know, uh, I'll be giving a talk about that. So maybe I'll share some docs uh, with Josh. I'll share some with you later. But yeah, thanks. So maybe, maybe there will be a third player at the. Maybe, maybe. I took everything I learned from Apollo Client, and I'm about to do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think like, I would give the article a look, and yeah, I mean, it really is weird that like you you see that the docs are fantastic and they've got good tooling and. I question the validity of this author. I'm just kidding. Well, like there, she's, she says clearly that she's interested in uh, Relay 2 and the fact that she thinks the GraphQL, like new GraphQL feature support will come faster in Relay 2 than it will in Apollo. I'm not sure that's true, right? I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. I think the Apollo team is going to be like super interested because one thing that we found out this week in the Space Dojo Slack chat is that MDG is starting to pour money into marketing optics, which is the mm-hmm. commercial offering that they have for uh, GraphQL. So. I think that they, they really want to continue to be a player in this space. I mean, they're, they're yeah. hosting the GraphQL Summit. So, I mean, there's things that, that to me kind of indicate that they're going to they're gonna keep. And they've got a fairly sizable team now working on things too. So yeah. um, I think they'll, they'll keep pushing it. And I think that, if anything, looking at the number of commits in the last month, I think we're going to see them pace the relay team for whatever that's worth. <laughs> Let's do it. About that. Now we'll talk about React Native dying. <laughs> yeah. This is, this, like, I normally wouldn't even pick this, but I found it interesting enough. I thought we should talk about it. Um, it's called a pre-mortem, and uh, it's a thought <laughs> experiment designed to help us look at a project's, look past the project's hype and think carefully about what needs to change about a product so that it can be successful in the long run. This is so weird. It is, it is a little weird. <laughs> no matter what, like you're still developing a web app. Like you still have a subset of like Flexbox CSS that you're working with. You're still developing a web app and like, it's not going to necessarily always feel like a native app. He says many react native applications that I look at, uh, still look like web applications. These applications don't exhibit any real concern for the following UI design guidelines for the various platforms. There's a good reason for that because web developers are making it. <laughs> yeah. Do we have to strictly follow the guidelines? Like, I, are we just agreeing that Apple and Google are doing the best that we can do as the human race and we should just accept that and, like, work within their confines? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. I actually think I disagree with this and it's kind of making me want to write some stuff now, now that I'm thinking about it. I think it's totally fine to create something that lives outside. Like we have Uber. I think Uber is a solid example of a UI that doesn't necessarily follow the guidelines and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, they've created a UI that makes sense for them. Yeah. But 
you know, Google will just slap you on the face, you know. They won't feature your app if it's not up to Google design standards, which happened to WorkPub, by the way, last week. So we had to go redesign a little bit of stuff to make it googly. But iOS doesn't care, you know. Like, you can design whatever the hell you want. Um, you put the little eyes on it? <laughs> <laughs> I just think, so my opinion about this article in general is, I, I don't want to talk about the article. I just want to talk about React Native development. Sure. It's really hard to get native development like skills, right? If you're a web developer, you're building web apps and mobile web apps, but it's really tough to have that UX mindset of a native developer without having built native apps, like full on native apps. So like this right now, it's, it's the, the ecosystem for React Native is still still growing mm-hmm. super the, the people who build native apps are going to start building react native apps hopefully and then the tools and stuff are going to get better because you have the people with the mind share of actually building things for native apps like i could go make a react native app right now and it would not feel native because i'm a web developer i design stuff for the web <laughs> my, my my ui would be terrible for for mobile you know this article, I actually came across this because um, uh, Ben Duguid, who was the co-host last week, he just did a podcast, the Space Dojo Show. We just did another React Native-focused podcast. And yeah. like th- this came up during that. And I think the thing to me, and the thing that's like held me back a little bit is the fact that like actually with Cordova, I, I can go get something like Ionic or Reapp or something like that. And I can get that easy UI and kind of build my app with that, that native feeling UI that switches based on the platform and does mm-hmm. the right thing. I can't necessarily go get that for React Native yet. And people are working on some UI kits. Maybe that's the right answer here. Maybe that, that helps a lot. But at the same time, like, you know, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, cool, thanks. I love this app. I don't know if you've played with it, but I've been playing with gyroscope. it the last couple of days. It's called Gyroscope. And like they've built this with React Native and they're working on the Android version. That's cool. It's not loading now. That's terrible. <laughs> um, I'd love to show it, but like it, it just tracks everything in your life. Like I'm wearing an Apple Watch and it tracks that. And like they're hooking the health kit and all these other things. And I, I don't necessarily think that these these guys could have sat down and built a native application and instead yeah. they built a react native application um, because it's something that they understood how to do. And I yeah. like, I don't think Swift is hard, but at the same time, like Swift plus Java, that starts to become a little bit harder. One of the things that we always had trouble for at outright was like hiring for Android development um, back mm-hmm. when I was there in 2012, 2000 early 2013, like it's just not something people want to do. And that's why I think React Native will continue on. And, you know, in in the words of uh, this kind of jump the gap between early adopters and like an early majority cross that chasm, because if it doesn't, you know, then it'll probably die off as technology. But I think, I think it's going to cross that because there's significant monetary savings here for someone that uses React Native, in my opinion. Like, I don't have a case study to back that up right now, but the fact yeah. that you probably go reuse 
you know, 70, 80% of your code for writing one app and another app, like that's yeah. a pretty significant thing. And cost, that's cost savings right there. It's like you're building a business, you're building a product, cost savings, you know, yeah. you don't have talent, who cares? Use React Native, you know? Yeah. When you have talent, reevaluate. Yeah. yeah. So the next one is the most interesting one to me, actually. So the Rising Stack Engineering, um, they host their blog on Ghost. Ghost is a Node.js blog hoster package. And uh, they upgraded to this new version, which is like, this is like, this, this is a this story that happens to so many engineering teams. Yes. You upgrade a version, right? And everything starts, like all your response times start going crazy. And then you're like, what the heck is going on? Like, why is the whole world around me like crashing down. <laughs> and, um, it just, you know, this guy, what's his name? His name is the, the classic story is you do it on a Friday too, right? Yeah. You do it on a Friday and <laughs> his name is Gergeli Ger- Nemeth. So he was like, Hey, what's going on? Right. And this is number one tip to every engineer here. When things like this happen, you do this thing called a heap dump, right? You're going to go profile this sh- out of your app right? It'll return this big file with all of these like columns and there's a picture in this blog post. And that actually helps you determine like where, you know, where your, your bottleneck may be, you know? Um, and it'll just several heat dump files. Um, there's an NPM module that'll actually allow you to do this. Um, so what I would recommend if this is happening to you, this happened to us when we upgraded the version of Kadira and whew, things were just spiking. So what we had to do is we had to push something to production, run a snapshot, save that, and then have our best engineer analyze it. And we found out that it was indeed something in Kadira. Um, so anyway, keep snapshot testing in terms of your whole app and like keep dumps are amazing. And that's pretty much how they found out. This, there's a bug. There was a bug in Ghost itself, Ghost Core, that was resolved. And this article is really just about how you can, you know, one, find out what's going on on the back end. And two, uh, you can also profile on, you can do CPU profiles on your, in, your, in, your, in your client app, the browser. You can see how long it takes to render, where are you stuck in the execution loop, all that stuff. So plain and simple, that's what it, really what it was. So these are some recommendations I have for engineering teams. When you get to like five or six people, like you should probably get some, like three things. You should get logging, like some logging instrumentation. So like maybe all your HTTP outbound HTTP requests are logged. Um, you should have a log tracker like Logly or Splunk or something where those logs can go. And then you can all then you can start looking at that data over time to make your app better. You can't fix what you can't measure, so you need to measure, and that's what number three is. You should start measuring a lot of the different things. A good tool uh, is New Relic. Uh, they have a they have a good spa tool for single page apps that instruments you know instruments the code to see JS errors and all that stuff. Interesting thing about New Relic and Meteor is it's super tough to instrument that because we're waiting on DDP connections and WebSockets don't really play well with New, New Relic. But you can use it for other things like JS errors and like uh, yeah. you know time time to mount. And when we when we find that out, we find out that most of the time 
our app is in DOM processing mode. Little is it in the network, the actual network latency, and mm-hmm. and actual rendering is very small. It's DOM processing, and do you know what that DOM processing is? It's uh, you know it's ten megs of JavaScript coming down. You know what I'm saying? So I'll, I'll I'll complain about this once more. DOM processing on the whole app is the majority of time, and if we literally had code splitting, it would be like low. So whose fault is that? Not mine. <laughs> it's totally your, your fault. I mean, yeah, it's totally. I shouldn't be writing that much code, right? I should delete all my code, and this wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> no, no, no. Just go go write code splitting for the rest of us. That's all we need. That's what we. So yeah, I mean, it's getting to that point where you may need to. So we may need to figure out some things. That's it. I mean, that's that's all I'm going to talk about in the article. <laughs> nice. No, it's a good article too. And I down at the bottom, they they show the back and forth, uh, or they link to the, the the GitHub issue, which there's a yeah. ton of back and forth, and they kind of talk a little bit about like debugging and stuff. And I, honestly, they're probably both worth a read in my opinion. So I would take the yeah. time and look over both those if you get a few yeah. minutes and just kind of understanding the tools that are there, like. Yeah, it's it's good to know about these things when you hit a jam. Like having at least a little bit of knowledge gives you a leg up on tracking down a problem. And um, yeah, like that's half the battle is like finding the problem in the first place. Once you find it, you can usually yeah. start tracing it back to actual code. But sometimes yeah, it's figuring out and the code. node module for anyone interested is node dash heap dump. Heap is H E A P heap like the V A heap. Yeah. On the on the compiler. So I, got, I I finally got this to load. Dude, that looks so legit. Right. For a React Native app. See, I bet you the person des- who designed and built it had some like native background. That looks no, great. No, I don't think so. And like they just they have all these graphs in here. And like it started as an experiment with graphs, the gyroscope app did, but and they've just been pushing it further and further with more data sources. But you know, I just throw it back to that previous story now that my phone yeah yeah, i don't know like i just i think that like the fact that this exists and i'm thinking about paying the money like probably says volumes about react native totally all righty all right that's good to be back dude yeah that was a (laughs) warm-up Let's do another one. No. Let's do another one. Go. <laughs> no, 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 too much. I got I got kids out here. They're like chomping at the bit to yell and scream. So. Oh no. <laughs> Keep shushing them. Shh, shh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in and watching and listening. And again, like we don't advertise this anywhere. So if you enjoy it, feel free to tweet about it so other people know. Leave mm-hmm. us a review in iTunes. We love that. And uh, we need to update, like, it still says Ben on the website, so we'll have to change that. I know, right? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Did I change and, that? And, <laughs> and, like, I have pulled an old version, so, like, Ben thought he was funny and changed my picture to be Homer Simpson. And so now um. <laughs> Homer Simpson after I branched off his code. So, whoops. And as always, you can uh, help out and help us create this show. It's going down, like... If you are a patron, you might want to go check and make sure your credit card is actually being charged correctly. It used to be like a thousand bucks, but now we're down to like 400. So I spend that on editing alone. So if you do want to help out with that, uh, which I use to buy things like podcasting gear 
and editing and all that kind of stuff. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Meteor Club. The 10 buck level will get you into Slack. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. We've got Space Camp coming up, camp.spacedojo.com. I'm going to be there. Ben Strahan's going to be there. Is Avi going to be there? Is, am I going to be there? Well, you need to come give a GraphQL talk. You know what? You need to talk about Red Eye. I need to do some, I need to do some things. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let everyone know by the next show if I'm coming up. Awesome. All right. Sure. And also give you guys a tour of the new office. We got a new office, by the way, people who are listening to us. So oh. I'll give you guys a tour too. That'd be cool nice. for the show. Yeah, we'll do that. For YouTube people at least. Yeah. All right. All right, man. All right. See you. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O dot com. <laughs>